had a week in the spring where we had different professors from the college and from the seminary uh, speak on the topic of healing. On that Tuesday evening of that week, we had a professor from the seminary by the name of Dr. Martin Sanders. And he came and he spoke and he allowed the Holy Spirit to use him and the kingdom of God was manifested among us. Dr. Martin Sanders is the director of the doctoral ministries program at the Alliance Theological Seminary. He travels all over the world uh, teaching and preaching and mentoring because he's also president of um, Global Leadership. It is a, an organization that mentors up-and-coming leaders. Uh, he is one who believes that when he comes and when he speaks, he surrenders to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do. And so today, as he comes and surrenders to the Holy Spirit, we look forward to what the Lord says. Would you please welcome Dr. Martin Sanders. Dr. Frank Chan for launching this series. I will attempt to keep momentum going and uh, set you up for Friday as well. Whenever we talk about healing, it just gives us an opportunity to look at some, some of the unique Jesus stories. There's some fun ones. There's some odd ones out there. And so I'm, I'm going to have fun with an odd one this morning. When we talk about healing, healing is one of those multi-billion dollar industries worldwide. doesn't take much to sell you on that. Uh, and it's for the whole gamut of humanity, all the way from psychic healing, if you prefer that, to spiritual healing, which you have to define it because it's a broad spectrum, and people define it and redefine it in multiple kinds of ways. We've got those who use natural medicines, be they all the way from Asian to Native American and everything in between. And then my favorites are the people who want to talk about healing the soul. But today, there's no categories. Today's about when God heals your life. And so don't think in terms of what specifically is this. This is you as a person. And what happens when Jesus actually heals your life? Let's start with the text in Luke chapter 7. It goes like this. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to come to dinner. He went to the Pharisee's home. Notice he was reclining, not sitting. Reclining on his elbows, feet back. That's necessary for the story that's to come. There was a woman in the town who lived a sinful life and learned that Jesus was there. And so she came to the house with an alabaster bar, jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, she began to weep and wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them with her feet, and poured perfume on them. The Pharisee who had invited them said to himself, If this man were really a prophet, then he'd know who was touching him and what kind of person she was, a sinner. Now, forgive me, but if you've been around faith at all, as some of you have been, we read a story like this, and you have no expression on your face. It's like, oh, this is a funny story. Come on, let's look at this. Here we have this formal gathering of men. And in comes a woman who wasn't invited. She's a party crasher. Now, when's the last time you crashed a good party? For a few of you, it was last weekend. For, but for, the, for some of the rest, it's been a while. For some of the faculty, it was the 70s since they've crashed a good party. So you've got this formal setting in that culture of men, no woman there. She shouldn't be there. She decides, I'm going to crash the party. But then she does odd stuff. She comes with perfume. Now, when, 
we, we all know this, but women and men have different spells. I mean, all you have to do is go to dorm rooms. You'll note the difference. <laughs> women always wish men smelled better. And men always wish women didn't put on so much of whatever that is. Come on, work with me here. So she brings in not just some perfume, this huge jar of perfume. Because she's got this thing that somebody there needs to smell better. So at dinner, she doesn't just crash the party and get in the corner because she wants to be there. She decides, let's make a performance out of this. So what does she do? She doesn't cry. She begins to weep. Men, we know we get so uncomfortable when women cry. And guys, women know this, and they use it against us. Come on. It's how it works. It's how it works. I don't know why, but in my office, someone cries all the time. Yesterday, four people. One guy, I don't know what his issue was. And three women. I went through half a box of Kleenexes. Well, I discovered with women... If they start crying, men, we get uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. So I decided I'm going to stare. Because there's no sense in just one of us being uncomfortable. So I discover if I stare, then both of us are uncomfortable and the crying stops in a shorter amount of time. It works for me. It works for me. So she starts weeping. And in the midst of this weeping... She's behind Jesus, who's reclining, and his feet are behind him, and her tears are dropping, big ones, alligator tears. And she starts letting them fall on his feet. And then she, her hair would have been covered and put up, so she pulls it off and down and takes her hair and starts wiping his feet. This is a weird story. I don't care where you're from. This is a weird story. And not only that, we're told she starts kissing his feet. Now, little accountability here. When's the last time you were in public and someone started kissing your feet? I told you, this is a weird story. I don't care where you're from, this one's just strange. And so she starts to kiss his feet, and then she pours the perfume on his feet. Now, let's look at what comes next, as if it gets any weirder. It's a little strange here. And so beginning at verse 40, this Pharisee had just said, Why doesn't Jesus know who she is? Come on, she's one of those kind. We, we know those kind, don't we? We always assign value to people, and she's one of those. So Jesus picked up on this, and he said to Simon, Simon, that's something I want to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One was 500 denarii, they only only 50. Neither one had the money to pay him back, so he forgave both of them. Now, which one loves him more? It's a great question. Simon was a bright guy. He said, I suppose the one who owed the bigger debt. He said, yeah, you, you got this one right, mate. You, you got one right. Good job. So we look at an awkward situation that just gets a little stranger. Doesn't Jesus know who she is? Sure he does. He just looks at people differently. And he sees them as someone who's got potential to be so much more than they currently are. And it's just to identify what it is they need. And he's got the ability to deliver. So he wants to take care of that. This is a classic Jesus story in a couple of different ways. 
One, he always sides with the alienated person, the one who's rejected by everybody else. Jesus tends to side with them. All of us need to remember that one. Then he poses a great question. Then he says, let me tell you a story. So he does. Then he asks that very significant question. Which one really loves more? That becomes a key question throughout this story. Let's look at how this text continues on and even wraps up at this point. Notice in the text it says, Then he turned towards the woman. He's going to speak to Simon, but he looks at the woman. And he says to Simon, You see this woman? You see, Simon, I came into your house. And since I came into your house, you didn't give me any water for my feet. That's what any good host would do. He said, but she's wet my feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair. A little weird, but at least she did this. You didn't even give me a kiss. Even in the Middle East today, when men greet, you get kissed on both sides of the cheek. You didn't do that. But she's not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't give any oil for my head. Again, what any good host would do. But she's poured perfume on my feet the whole time. Therefore, I tell you, her sins have been forgiven because she loved much. But for the one who's forgiven little, loves little. There's two aspects of this passage we've got to look at. The first one is what forgiveness looks like. And then to answer that key question of Jesus. Now, most of the time when we look at forgiveness, it's sort of the classic approach. Jesus begins to offer forgiveness, but when he does, he talks about it in terms of release. Releasing you from what's held you back. Releasing you from anything that hinders you in any kind of way. Forgiveness isn't just about sin, it's about releasing you. It's receiving that release. And having a sense you're actually released. We've got a really good female friend. She called me one day, she goes, Martin, did you catch Oprah today? I said, you know, I... I missed Oprah. She said, I thought that would be the case, so I I already called in. I ordered one of the DVDs. It's going to be overnighted you. You have to promise me in the next two days you'll watch this Oprah DVD. Because I respect and love her, I agreed to do it. So I thought I'll watch it. I got some popcorn. I thought if I don't like it, I'll throw popcorn at the screen. It'll be fun. So Oprah's on. She's got seven people, all women, who are telling their stories of how somebody's hurt them, abused them, etc. Some tough stories. I don't want to take anything away from them. But as they were telling their stories, Oprah would say to them, you know you have to forgive. And every one of them challenged Oprah, as if you can challenge Oprah. <laughs> and every one of them yeah, but he did this, or they, or it... And every time, she would interrupt them. She didn't let anybody finish their story. She said, but if you don't release them, you'll never be free. I started looking around and go, you, you go, Oprah. I said, Oprah gets it better than church gets it. On this one. Because when you are forgiven, you're free. You have released whoever this is, whatever this is, you have released its hold on you. In the 21st century, American language context, forgiveness and release are almost identical. You release it, 
and it releases its hold on you. And by God's grace, all of a sudden, you're free. It's about being forgiven and feeling it, feeling it. I did an eight-church leadership conference in uh, eastern British Columbia. Beautiful mountain range, Kootenai Mountains ran, run through there. Whenever you watch movies with Rocky Mountain scenery, it's almost always the Canadian Rockies. Sorry, they're a little better looking than the American ones for filming, so that's where they come from. I was there in that setting. We had eight churches together for the weekend. On Sunday, I preached at one of the churches. I said to the pastor, do you still have a Sunday evening service of any sort, any gathering? He said, yeah, we, we'll, we can pull one together. I said, here's what I'd like to do. You've got some great people. I've been with them all weekend. But I've noticed something about your people. Your people are trying really hard to be good people, but I don't have any sense that they have an awareness of their forgiveness. So here's what I'd like to do. I want a one-hour service on Sunday night. Give me 20 minutes of worship. I'll do a 20-minute message, 20 minutes of response. 7 o'clock pizza. I love those nights. Service went perfectly. Good 20 minutes of worship. I nailed it 19 minutes. And I simply said to the people, I have a sense that it's time for you to feel forgiven. Here's what it's like. We're going to do one stanza, one line of whatever song they've got for us. No emotional pull, one call. If you want to feel forgiven tonight, Come down front. The prayer team's here to pray with you. Went just as planned. Hit that first note, center aisle filled. I was standing there with the pastor. I looked up. There were so many people. They started to bypass us. And I said to the pastor, where's the elders? I thought they were supposed to be praying for us. Because they're third in line. People saw they weren't going to get prayed for quickly, so they bypassed us. They went around. They were kneeling across the front propped up against the wall, lying on the floor. It started to get loud in there. Western Canadians don't get loud. They're German, Mennonite sort of people, straight white people. They don't get very loud. It got loud in there. The pastor turned to me and he goes, Martin, I am very uncomfortable. And I said, me too. You want to shut it down? He goes, no, I just want you to know I'm uncomfortable. I said, me too. Keep, keep praying. A few minutes later, the, the, the tears turned to weeping, turned to wailing. And if you've heard it, it makes everyone uncomfortable. And he turned to me, he goes, I am very uncomfortable now. And I said, me too. Want to shut it down? He goes, no, I just want you to know I'm uncomfortable. And I said, keep praying. It took us two hours and 20 minutes to pray for everybody. And as soon as we were done, he turned to me, he goes, I want to see you in my office. And I thought... I'm back in junior high. I'm getting called to the principal's office. It's, it's what I was best at at the time. I'm older. I still have it. I get called to the principal's office. We got in there and sat down, prop, leaned back in his chair and propped his feet up on the, the desk. And he said, tell me what just happened out there. Well, obviously I was somewhat right. Your people needed to be released. And he said, I've done it to them, haven't I? I no, don't take all the responsibility for this big boy. You're only one piece. It's families, it's teachers, it's churches before you. But in trying to motivate people, you put a little too much on them. They wanted to feel forgiven. And he said, I, I think I need it too. Which is what I was afraid of. This is going to be a late night pizza then. 
As soon as he said that, there was a knock at the door. One of the elders said, do you need anything? I said, yeah, grab his wife and a couple elders. Let's pray this guy through his own stuff. It's time. It's absolutely time to be released. For Jesus to heal your life so that whatever that stuff is, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, whatever you need, there's a release. Let's look at what it's like in this text. You see, Simon's narrative is quite different than that of the woman. The woman was free. Simon, on the other hand, took all his stuff for granted. He hid from his stuff. He thought his stuff wasn't as bad as other people's. Because remember, she was one of those kind. And he put the label on her. She was one of those. See, he had developed this religious spirit where he assumed he was right. You know those kind of people, don't you? Yeah, be careful. You'll find yourself being one of them before long. It happens at places like this if you haven't noticed. And we sometimes forget that the grace of God isn't just for me, it's for everybody else. And it so annoys the crap out of us when somebody else gets the extra portion of God's grace. Because they don't deserve it, as if you do. And it creeps in. It's a marked contrast to being free. Because what's, what happens in this is you start to keep count of when you do well, and when other people don't do well. And you forget that it really is about love. Remember Jesus asked the question in this text? Who loves more? Let's answer that question. From the Old Testament law to Jesus in the New Testament. When asked what's the greatest of the commandments, Jesus could have said anything. Remember what he said? Yeah, come on. Let's love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let's stop right there. No sense of going any further. It's time to put up. What's it like? What's it like inside of you to love God with all your heart? Kind of no sense in doing anything else till we get that one established. There's a place up north called Camp of the Woods. Some of you have probably heard of that place. I was speaking at Camp of the Woods a couple years ago, and some guy said to me, uh, Martin, I've got a fire by my place, a fire pit. I, I want you to come and speak to whoever's there. There'll be a bunch of people. The kids will be asleep. I want you to come and speak. I said, can't get there till about 11. He goes, we'll be there late. Come. So I got to 11. Apparently, not only did the kids go to bed, the women got tired. They went to bed. It was about 11.20. There were, there were 12 guys sitting around the fire. I walked up. They were talking. Guy talked. Didn't seem to make much difference what they were saying. And I sat down and thought, I'm not going to sit here very long. Finally, the guy who invited me interrupted everybody. He goes, let's stop. He said, we didn't have this conversation at any time. It's not very often we get a guy like Martin here. Which you never know what that means, a guy like Martin. Maybe I'm one of those. Who knows? But a guy like Martin's here. And then he said this fascinating thing. He said, Martin, we hear you talk about the next level all the time. Will you give us the secret of the next level of our spiritual life? The secret? There's a secret? Like nobody told me. What's the secret? I thought, do I give them what they want or do I give them what they need? I thought, ah, I give them what they need. So I said, one question. We're going to go around the circle. One question. No conversation. Just a yes or a no. 
I need to know what we're working with. Do you love God with all your heart? Just a yes or a no. Pointed to a guy, never mind. I said, you, start first. He said, no. Next, no. Next, no. On the fourth one, yes. No. No. The next guy starts to talk. I said, no talking, talking boy. It's either yes or no. <laughs> Besides, we all know if you start talking, the answer is really no anyway. You're just afraid to admit it. He goes, no, no, no. Eleven no's, one yes. I stood up and I said, there's no sense in giving you guys any secrets. Here's the deal. I'm coming back tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. You do whatever it takes. You fast, you pray, you stick your head in the water, don't come up until it's done. You do whatever it takes that tomorrow night at 11 o'clock, the answer is yes. I'll be back. And I stood up and walked away. I was probably about 40 yards away, and I thought I heard somebody behind me and I turned around, some guy slipped his hand over my shoulder, a guy I'd never seen before. He said, Martin, I don't know if you know who's sitting around that circle back there. I said, no, I knew the one guy invited me, that's all I knew. He said, everybody around the circle was a, a multi-millionaire, some of them probably in excess of 50 million. I said, and your point is? He said, they could have funded your ministry really well. And I stopped and I looked at him and I said, do I look like the kind of person who would sell my soul for a few million? And I said to him, you don't get to come back tomorrow night. You need two days. <laughs> I said, seriously, mate, I don't want to see you tomorrow night. You don't deserve to come back. You need at least two days of fast and pray and get your soul straight in here, mate. I showed up 11 o'clock the next night. There were 11 sitting there. We were around for another check, and everybody was, yes, yes, yes. We had a conversation till 2.30 that I couldn't have had the night before. Let's ask it one more time. Sitting in chapel on a Wednesday morning in early March 2011, do you love God with all your heart? No talking. It's either a yes or it's not. And if not, do whatever it takes to make sure that's a yes. Or go home. Go home. Don't waste your time or anybody else's. For those of you who are so performance-oriented, put off the performance. Let's get released from that one so Jesus can heal your life. It's the real question. Embrace it. Own it. Feel it. The two responses of people who are really released is they have this sense that they are full, full of God. And then they're absolutely free. You can't put your hands in your pockets and talk about this. There's just this sense of overwhelming freedom that comes so that you become one of these weird people like this woman that bother us who are in control. Because those people bother us. Not only did she used to be one of those kind, she's still one of those kind. They're annoying. Because they're free. And they're full. You see, there's a warning that has to come. It's the Simon thing. It's a religious spirit. A religious spirit seeks to substitute religious activity for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
See, religious spirit keeps score. Keeps score not only of how well you're doing, but you keep score of other people as well. And you want credit. Come on, you know this is true. And it in no way gets you any place where you want to be. So when Jesus heals your life, what's it look like? Well, you're free to love and be loved. And honestly, that's what almost all of us want. It's the basics of human nature. You want to be able to love and be loved freely. It's when you honestly identify whatever your junk is. And in days like this, you get released from it. So it's time to enter a new zone. I'm going to ask today that we enter a no-hiding, no-lying No excuse, no blaming, no whining zone. And to honestly come before Christ. And to see what it's time to be released of. So he has a shot to actually heal our life. Let's wrap it up. When Jesus heals your life, what's it look like? Well, when you've been forgiven, you fill in the blank. Because it both looks and feels different for different people. When you love authentically, what's it look like? What's it feel like? For this woman, we have her story. She was a party crasher who came in and unashamedly, unguardedly expressed her love. So then you enjoy it, express it, show it with this authentic abandon. You're free and you're full. I want to leave you with this. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what you need, Jesus knows, Jesus understands, and he wants to release you. I don't want anybody to miss it. Let me say it again. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what you need. Jesus knows. Jesus understands. And his dreams to release you so that you're absolutely free and full. Pray with me, please. Lord, it's an incredible offer. But sometimes, right now, there's a struggle in our own soul. Yeah, but what if? What if it doesn't work? What if I can't be released? What if? Or what about them? Shouldn't they have to pay for this? So by your grace and by the power of your Spirit, show us how to enter There's no excuse, no blaming, no whining zone. And that no matter who we are or what we've done or what's happened to us or what we need, we can get a release today. Or a good start on one. Walk us through this in the next few moments, please. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you're going to leave today, leave quietly. 
You've got four options. For some of you, today's not your day. It's okay. Leave, leave quietly. For some of you, you just want some alone time. Just tell who's ever with you. Give me some space. I'm going to go for a walk. Go for a walk. Some of you want or need somebody to pray you through something. I'm going to ask you to come over on this side. And for some of you, you've got the Simon religious spirit and you know it. And you're going to say to me, don't call me out. I'm going to say, I'm going to. And here's why. Because you're one of those. You're one of those. And you're never going to be free and you're going to hurt other people. This is your side. So we're officially done. Leave when you need to. Just leave quietly. If you want to be alone, be alone. If you want somebody to pray with you, come here. If it's day to address the religious spirit, you're right over here. So stand with me, please. And you respond accordingly. Leave, stay, just leave quietly, please.